do you build, nurture, and monetize a thriving community? In this episode, the founder and CEO of Heavy Chef, Fred Rowe, tells us how they went from what was a side project to a thriving community. My advice to anyone wanting to start a community of any sort is know what you stand for, know who you're talking to, and know what value you provide to those people that you serve. The Amazon best-selling author of the Heavy Chef Guide to Starting a Business in South Africa also shares how they approach collaborations with sponsors, brands, and partners to help spread their work. If you're a brand, agency, or creative person looking to grow and monetize your community, stay tuned. To help us spread the word and reach more people, please share this episode and subscribe to The Lead Creative. Welcome to the Lead Creative Podcast, where we talk to creative industry leaders, influencers, and brands. We discuss the strategies that influence brand thinking and shape industries. Thought leaders and heads of agencies let us in on some of their thinking and insights. I'm your host, Mungi Simtati. Enjoy the show, and please share and subscribe. Fred, thanks so much uh, for making time to talk to us uh, this morning in rainy and cloudy Cape Town. Just to kick things off, um, you started over a 13-year period. You built what became one of South Africa's leading mid-sized creative agencies uh, in Worldwide Creative, which became a leading digital agency in its time. And then you left and built... Um, Heavy Chef, which was at the time a side project. Can you talk us through that transition? Sure. And first of all, thanks for, for having me, Mongezi, my friend. It's so good to see you again. It's been too long. Um, and yes, it is a very rainy and miserable so-called spring day here in Cape Town. So I'm a little bit bleak <laughs> because I, I did want to go and sit outside for a little bit, but it is yeah. absolutely freezing here. Um, so thanks for that question. Uh, it was a meandering journey uh, to get to Heavy Chef, but nonetheless informative in terms of what the vicissitudes of being an entrepreneur is all about and in terms of providing me with a lesson in, I suppose, looking at uh, opportunities and being able to jump upon the opportunities that arise when you see them. So as you know, uh, Worldwide Creative was a strong uh, digital marketing advertising agency. We set up in Johannesburg and in Cape Town. We operated around Africa and we worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. We had uh, a full portfolio of clients and uh, we did some great work. I mean, across 13 years Uh, Certainly, when I was there, it it was just a wonderful experience. It was not always like that. (laughs) And I think the the crucial part of it is that in the beginning, early days of of Worldwide Creative, you know, we had no clients. And the first two years, Mike, my business partner, and I were really battling to try and create an agency that I suppose would be, um, you know, first of all... uh, um, some form of income for ourselves and our families, but then also something that we would find meaning and purpose in. And when we started out, I mean, it was a service business. 
it was really, really hard to do that because there was just no money and there was no clients and there was no real uh, sustainable business model. And so I spent much of that time in the first couple of years just knocking on doors. And I guess the important part of the story is that, I mean, as anyone knows who's in a service industry or service business, you are only as big as your biggest client. And sure. so you have to really get on board the first marquee client, the first you know real brand portfolio client that um, you can then show other uh, big corporates or big companies uh, that work in order to provide the trust that they could then spend their money on you. And it provides the, the quintessential catch-22. Um, and so after two years, I mean, I was very frustrated. I looked across the road from our studio in Rulin Street uh, in Cape Town. And, you know, there's only two or three of us at the time. And Mike, my business partner, was in the UK. And I decided to go across the road, knock on the door of our neighbor, which happened to be Ferrari, the Ferrari garage. Uh, it was the headquarters mm. of Ferrari for Africa. And so the person who answered the door, um, the, the marketing manager was Reinhard Schwendinger. He was, a, he was their brand manager for Africa, for Ferrari and Maserati at the time. And he provided me 20 minutes of his time. He said, you can pitch your services to me. I'll listen to you. And whilst I did that, he was kind of looking, looking us up uh, online, looking at Worldwide Creative. I gave him my best shot, my well-honed mm -hmm. sales pitch, told him all about, you know, back then it was 2005. It was the early days of social media uh, sure. You know, we were trying to sell websites, we were selling uh, community online, we were trying to create online brands, you know, newsletter um, campaigns, and all kinds of things that were related to digital. And at the end of my sales pitch, he looked at me and he said, Fred, I never trust a skinny chef. <laughs> and so it was one of those seminal moments where, I mean, first of all, I'd never heard that statement before. And um, sure. I was humbled and, you know, and a little bit pissed off, to be honest, because, you know, I was like, what the hell, man? How can you say that to me? <laughs> and he explained it to me. He said, you know what? I've looked you guys up now. Whilst you're talking, I've kind of had a, a squiz online and, you know, all the stuff that you're trying to sell me, you're not doing yourself. So yeah. why should I trust you? You know, you're not eating sure. your own food. And so I went back to Mike and, you know, we had a long chat and organically this idea of heavy chef, like we started speaking it into our language. We were saying, how can we be heavy chefs about uh, the work that we do? How can we yeah. uh, change uh, our culture into being more authentic, more uh, real in terms of we're eating our own food? And so... Mm -hmm. You know, we, we rebuilt our website. We started a newsletter campaign. We, uh, you know, we started using social media. We created two blogs at the time. Uh, and um, about eight months later, I went back to Reinhardt to showed him what we, we had done uh, to, to kind of answer his challenge. And he hired us. So we gained uh, Ferrari as our, our first ever big name client actually it was a pretty small client in terms of revenue 
But I mean, what sure. bigger brand in the world is there than Ferrari? You know, so we went exactly, uh, knocking yeah. on other doors. It was that, saying, yeah, it was that. It was that stepping stone that you referred to exactly. to then show other clients what you had done. Was, and I think, I mean, I like the 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 the. the, the trajectory that you've taken us through because it talks to the next question about what heavy chef is which is precisely what we'll be talking about a lot more but before we get to that talk me through the transition from um building this thing from 2013 to i think around 2016 rather from 2003 to say around 2016 when you officially resigned and you know your your sort of creative peers or at least peers in the industry were wondering what was happening because we'd all known you to kind of be doing what you were doing to now running what was a side project which started off as just an email campaign as you've just said how was that transition for you so i mean it's a great question i mean heavy chef provided the 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 whole concept and the, the dna of that idea it provided, first of all, with Ferrari, the first domino amongst a whole lot of great clients uh, uh, that came on board. And by the end of the the agency uh, chapter in my life, certainly, you know, we had grown into a mid-sized agency. We were 100 people strong. We, you know, we had uh, great work coming out of us. We had a lot of security. Um, we had uh, great investors in a, um, a company called Saratoga Software that had bought 75% of the business. And Heavy Chef was very much part of our DNA. It was part of our, our culture. It was part of why we did what we did. And, you know, as you know, we were running events um, back then, which were essentially digital marketing events. We called them the Heavy Chef Sessions. And so those sessions provided us with the impetus to kind of create a community. And when I left, I basically I kind of hit a bit of a full stop. You know, I, I just had enough of advertising. Digital marketing is relentless. You know, it's the kind of thing that just never sleeps. It never stops. It was super fun. But then it got to a point for me personally where I just decided I needed to take a break. Um, and so once we had sold, you know, the, a big portion of the agency, I decided to take a bit of a sabbatical. And that transition was very much a thing of asking the question personally of what would give me the most amount of meaning in the second half of my life. I wanted to do something that would provide me with uh, purpose, with um, uh, you know, a, a why, so to speak, um, something to get up out of bed uh, in the morning for and to serve uh, other people and, and to really use the extraordinary experience that I received during the advertising years in order to, I guess, make some form of a, an impact in the world in some small way. And that question, you know, it really, really challenged me because, I, you know, there were so many things I suppose I could have done, but then it just kept com- coming back to this whole thing of, of Heavy Chef. You know, it, there was a meaning behind the, mm-hmm. I guess, the organic nature of how Heavy Chef started, the origin story of Heavy Chef. And for me, it, it, it occurred to me that Heavy Chef was actually more appropriate to the world of entrepreneurship than it was for digital marketing. Because if you think about sure. the way a, an entrepreneur exists, you know, you, you have to eat your own food, so to speak. You learn by doing mm-hmm. 
clients and the people that right. we had engaged with were all entrepreneurs. And I had this mm-hmm. insight where I realized, I mean, living in South Africa as we do, South Africa is beset by problems. You know, we have mm-hmm. the highest Gini coefficient in the world. We've got, you know, these this twin threat of, of you know, infrastructure, of energy, of crime, corruption, you know, that is just, it's it's killing us. And these problems are, you know, they, they knock on to other areas of life and it trickles down to essentially the vast majority of South Africans living here. And I mean, if we're going to sit in this country and, you know, enjoy the fruit of the beautiful surrounding, the beautiful people, it is, it is absolutely impossible for us to do that without at least trying to to participate in being part of the solution to the enormous challenges that they face. And my firm belief is that the fastest way that we can affect change in this country is to empower the entrepreneur sector. So I wanted to get involved in that. Um, And so I rebranded Heavy Chef and uh, created a a learning community, essentially a learning community that uh, we would attract people we wanted to inspire people to start new businesses and then through the short courses that we provide to empower them to succeed. So in short, I think I'm getting the sense of, I think, this sort of relentless search and redefinition and constant reiteration of purpose as being an important sort of cornerstone and foundation of what led to Heavy Chef and, and how you, you manage and build the community. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to note that community is a very strong part of our, our model now. And in terms of making it work, I mean, interestingly, we had a, um, a, a very involved and intentional conversation at the inception of you know, Heavy Chef uh, 2.0 in terms of when we wanted to create the organization, we had the, the discussion around whether it should be a non-profit or whether it should be a, an, you know, a for-profit business. And you know, we were thinking, well, it should be non-profit because essentially you want to serve people and so on. But the irony suddenly hit me one day when I was thinking, well, how can we make it a, a, you know, a non-profit business when we're trying to teach people to be for-profit <laughs> businesses and sure. and our name is Heavy Chef, like eat our own food, so to speak. So yeah, yeah, it kind of yeah. suddenly became clear, okay, you know what, we have to make this a business and therefore we need to have a business model. And, and you know, all the sort of dominoes there started falling into place in terms of, well, you know, we need to provide content. I have this amazing network that's throwback to the, the advertising days, all these incredible entrepreneurs, inspiring technologists, leaders, and creatives that we could tap into. We could create courses via those people who are heavy chefs themselves, you know, people who have eaten their own food and, you know, achieved a, a form of success and who are domain authorities on particular topics to share those, what we call recipes. So those short courses, we call them recipes. Um, and that provides the content. And around that content, we are creating a community. And so hence, it's a community, uh, a learning community. Um, and the, the mechanism for delivering those recipes uh, is, is our platform, 
and then our programs. And so the platform is essentially heavyshift.com where you can go and sign up for mm -hmm. free uh, and you can access literally thousands of learning videos. We call them learning bites in these recipes. And we have programs which are more high-touch mechanisms to take people through uh, 10 weeks of learning about a particular topic, whether it's starting a business, whether it's scaling a business, or whether it is selling your business and everything between. If you're enjoying The Lead Creative, please share this episode with your network and hit follow or subscribe. Enjoy the show. Now, Fred, as a follower of Heavy Chef, I get a tiny glimpse of the amount of work that happens behind the scenes. How do you balance what you've just mentioned now to be community and community building with the behind-the-scenes work that needs to happen? Because unlike what Heavy Chef was when it first started and unlike other communities that started around the same time as Heavy Chef, um, and I'm not going to mention any because we both know what these communities are. Um, some were started by companies that wanted to build a network, wanted to start conversations, and they kind of fizzled out because they were just side gigs and side things that were served a different kind of purpose. So how do you balance the work that needs to happen with every event that you that you deliver with every thing that you deliver on the newsletter and the community building side because that's a big part of I think what I've experienced and what many other people have experienced um, with you know with the work because because it's there's this you know there's this fine balance between the two that kind of needs to happen and I see that it's happening because the events are growing the experience is growing how do you balance this. <laughs> Yeah, first of all, I just want to say you're you're a you're a good interviewer, Marquesi, because you get to the tough questions, uh, and I think that with that question in mind, that is a, a particularly important one, because tr the truth is is that it is, as you are alluding to, a heck of a lot of work. It's really really tough, and I think you know anybody who wants to start a community of any sorts. I mean, I think you'll know that it's. It's really tricky because you're dealing with people. And, you know, if you want people to, to coalesce around a particular organization or a brand, there needs to be value and the value needs to be exchanged. There needs to be a certain amount of reciprocity in that value exchange. And, you know, particularly if, like us, our business model being a, um, you know, a freemium, premium uh, business model, in terms of getting people to pay a monthly amount, there needs to be a disproportionate uh, um, reward in terms of what you pay. You know, and if you think about that, like, you know, we're beset by what I think some people are starting to call micro debt. You know, so for example, you know, each month you have this option of like, hey, you know, subscribe to this service; it's forty nine rand per month, or hey, there's this other service which is. 350 rand or, or this one, which is, you know, 850 rand. And so the ones that work are the ones that provide and deliver disproportionate value to the amount that you pay. So a simple example would be Netflix. You know, you pay 99 rand per month, um, or now I think it's 139 rand per month or so because Netflix are bleeding cash. But, but you know, 
So they've, they've just bumped their prices up. But the reality is 439 Rand per month, I think it's that. Um, I mean, you're getting a, a, an, an infinite amount of content to choose from, right? So sure. if you were to buy even a fraction of a percent of that content, it would cost you a lot more than 139 Rand. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. so, you know, it makes sense. The same with, I suppose, Spotify. And it's the same with a, a gym membership. If you're paying, you know, whatever, 800 Rand per month for a gym membership, you think about it in terms of what would it cost me to set up a gym at home and do that stuff? It would cost you like half a million Rand to do a full experience, mm-hmm. right? So 800 sure. Rand per month suddenly doesn't feel so bad. And you can cancel any time, right? And you get a lot of value for that. Um, for, for those people who actually do go to gym yeah, regularly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's another story. So what we need to do, and the challenge alluding to what you were saying is we need to provide that value to our members, right? And what we've done is we've created, we have actually got a nonprofit organization that sits alongside Heavy Chef PTY which effectively is uh, concerned with research. So we research entrepreneurs relentlessly, right? And so one of the biggest insights, and anybody who's interested in this research can go and check it out at heavychef.org. The insight that really changed our view and made it uh, feasible for us was the insight of the strongest predictor of entrepreneur success is the quality and frequency of interactions between entrepreneurs themselves, right? So if you think about that, that's extraordinary, right? Because, I mean, first of all, for me, I would have thought, hey, it would be like, you know, how much investment do you get? How much raw talent do you have? Um, you know, how, how, where were you born? Are you, at, you know, were you sitting in a, a lucky, privileged position when you started your business? Did you have people around you to support you in the beginning with, you know, some form of initial angel angel investment? Like all of these questions would be, I think, you know, they're important, but the strongest predictor is essentially community. So what we've realized is that the absolute crucial element of Heavy Chef that needs to work and that, as you know, currently is working is our community. The community is our strength and the interaction and engagement. The thing that we want to become the best in the world at is the engagement and interactions between community members themselves in order for them to support themselves, to learn from each other and to provide that self-directed learning that is so crucial for entrepreneurs who are, you know, sitting up to these extraordinary risks. You've said a couple of things there that I that I want to want us to kind of um, dive into, and I think one of them is something that um, you know Seth Godin, I think it was, or some author, I think it was Seth Godin actually, who said you make the easy things look difficult and the difficult things look easy, and it's I feel like it's precisely what you've just said, right? Like it's easy to pay 139 rand when you realize how difficult it is to put together such great shows and such great content. It's easy to pay uh, if you feel you get that disproportionate amount of value that you've just described. There's something that comes to mind for me, realizing that you come from an agency background, you were helping brands build 
communities. And now you are almost on what I would see as the client side, where you are building a community, you are the brand building the community now, no longer the agency that's advising a brand. Looking back and looking at sort of community building in the social sense, what would you do differently with what you know now? Well, I mean, I suppose um, it, it relates to the previous question in that in order to balance the sheer amount of difficulty in the challenge of building a community, you, you need to focus on a single point of, of distinction, right? And so in our case, it's really about our business model being about the, the learning content, the community and the way we reward people for engaging with each other around that content, right? So I think one of the traps that you fall into and what we've, we've certainly fell into a number of times when we were tasked with building communities around brands in the digital space was that you, you overcomplicate things. Well, well we overcomplicated things. And I've noticed that the more focus our strategy is, the more successful it is, right? The trap and the temptation, as soon as you start to getting to a certain critical mass, you know, and I mean, certainly in the old days, you know, it was fairly easy to build up an audience, not a community, an audience, right? I mean, we had as the agency, one of the biggest car brands in the world. And I mean, it's paid to play, right? So we basically paid Facebook uh, to build up this massive community so-called, in inverted commas. Essentially, it was an audience. And, um, and, and you know, that then was like, we, we grew it to, I think it was close to a million people online. And, um, and then we just started bombarding them with all these different strategies and campaigns and all these, like, you know, flares of excitement. And the engagement was remarkably low. And the reason for that, I now, in hindsight, believe, is the lack of focus. There needs to be a single point of distinction, a reason why. You are in this community. You are on this platform. You're, you've chosen to follow this particular brand or this particular cause because there is something that relates to you and your own cause and your own reason for being, Right. And that connection is super important to distinguish. In our case at Heavy Chef, it's you know it's 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 a lot more obvious now because you know people are the you know the, the audience that we have amassed is based upon the fact that they're all trying to start or scale a business. So we know this, right? And we also know that it's extraordinarily challenging, right? So being an entrepreneur. We often say, or I often say, it's it's crazy because the risks are so high. Like, you know, it's like putting a, um, it's taking a gun with a hundred chambers and filling eighty of those chambers with bullets, and then playing Russian roulette because those are your your chances of success. It's really, really low. You know, most businesses die, right? And they die through you know various means. It's it's you know very, whether it's you know, they run out of oxygen or, or they, you know, the, the market has changed or some kind of black swan event happens. And so the, the focus of your support within uh, the community is absolutely critical to the success of the community. You need to know what it is that you're 
serving your community with. And in our case, it's support, and it's in specifically that community support that's gathering around the, the recipes that we provide, which are, you know, people in South Africa who have done extraordinary things. And at Heavy Chef, you get to meet those people. You get to engage with those people. You get this, you know, this, this huge uh, network of people that you can then tap into and you, you can engage with, ask questions of them and provide that, that support that you may not have at home or in your family or within you know, your circle of friends that may not understand the specific and very real challenges that you face as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Now, coming back to this question of, of value once again, which, you, which we've alluded to. So I've already mentioned that I follow the community. And as an outsider looking in, it looks to me as though for the value that you provide, the amount of work that goes in is a lot more, right? So it feels to me as though as somebody building a community and as other creative people and as brands who are building communities out there, it looks to me as though um, it isn't, at least it isn't monetized as much as, as much as we people building communities believe it should be to support the kind of work that goes on in the background. What's Heavy Chef's model to this? Because this is, these are the things that we kind of always look at in communities that are really thriving, that are really making it big, which we kind of experience for free or on a freemium model. And it looks as though this community shouldn't be surviving for as long as it has when it doesn't look as though it's monetized as much as it should be to support itself? How do you do it? I mean, basically, Mongezi, you're asking me to uh, to lift up the bonnet and show you show you the inner workings, our, our <laughs> no, deepest, not darkest even, secrets. No, not that. <laughs> not even that much. Not even that much. But like, but like, yeah, come, like to come me, into our like... kitchen and we'll show you our secret <laughs> recipe. So, <laughs> so, so. I mean, I, I'm happy to share that. And I think it's a great question. And I, I, I think that, I mean, I'd love to see more people figure this out because it's really important, you know. I mean, if you think about, I, 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 I think about community a heck of a lot, right? And, um, and I, I believe that it is, it's based in human nature. You know, if you think about um you know, the work of evolutionary biologists and whatnot, it was up until very recently believed that it was, you know, we had a selfish gene, but it is now, you know, a very commonly held belief that it's more of what I suppose colloquially we would call a groupish gene. We are meant to be in community, you know, we are attached to our parents at birth. We are you know, we, we die, we literally die if we do not have, as, as children, as infants growing up, we have the support of others. And so that's hardwired into our DNA, right? And so the challenge that you're, uh, you're addressing is how do we then make that something that's sustainable? How do we make it a community that supports each other, um, particularly during the difficult times, something that actually can look after itself in terms of a self-sustainable community that has enough money to keep going and to keep providing value to it itself. Um, and in our, I mean, there's obviously a lot of ways to do it. The hardest way is via micropayments. So the subscription model, which 
you know, it's, it's obviously something that everybody is trying to do, but very quickly finds out it's very difficult because you need a lot of people to continue paying, you know, whatever it is, 100 rand per month or, in our case, 250 rand per month or, you know, um, in a gym's case, uh, you know, 800 or 900 or 1,000 rand per month. Uh, to be able to look after itself and to ensure that it continues to operate. So we have those two mechanisms of delivery for our recipes. We've got the platform and we've got the programs. And so the first is that uh, subscription model. So it's a freemium model. So essentially we encourage as many people to join our community. We've got thousands of people now who have joined the freemium uh, version of Heavy Chef um, I mean, our community is sitting at the moment at close to 50,000 people, right? So, but the, the aim of that, that specific model, is to get people to join as freemium members because if you join as a freemium member, you get free tickets to our events, our community events. You get all kinds of benefits and discounts and rewards and, you know, you get uh, incredible value from our partners, including Workshop 17 and Zero and you know happy culture and whipping the cat legal services and you know all these amazing entrepreneurial organizations that really believe in what we're trying to do they have provided us with rewards for our community members so once you're a member what we try and do is entice you to become a premium member now a premium member then gets all those amazing disproportionate value adds that you know you would expect when you pay 250 rand per month. So, for example, in our case, if you're a premium member, you get invited to what we call live recipes. So these are workshops that feature just some of the smartest people in the world, right? People who have created billion rand companies who are, you know, world-renowned consultants, who are investors that have amassed billions of dollars of funding, who can then engage with you in a small, intimate setting. So we see that as disproportionate value, right? So that's the first part of our model. And obviously, you know, that it's, it's tough to get people to pay 250 rand per month on top of their insurance, on their, you know, medical aid, on top of their uh, entertainment stuff and their gym contract and all the other various micro debt payments that you know come through on a monthly month to month basis. Right? So the second model is essentially, I guess, what you're scratching around for. And this, the 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 second uh, delivery mechanism is programs. And so those programs are more high touch mechanisms where we take cohorts of entrepreneurs through. 10-week intensive uh, programs of a specific focus. So, for example, we're about to embark on a series of programs for entrepreneurs around South Africa on how to get their business investable. So it's that first business basics, financial literacy, getting them to the point where their, their accounts are in order, they understand all the mechanics of their business, they understand branding, marketing, social media, how to build a team, how to lead with confidence, and how to scale and sell their product. Right? So those are the very basic basics of business. And we take those entrepreneurs through there. And those programs are then paid for by 
big corporates, big financial industries, by you know some of the largest companies in the world. They pay us in order to create these programs, in order for them to see benefit in the the um, the, the service providers that they use on a, on an annual basis to provide them with services to them as corporates. The more we do our job and train these entrepreneurs to do their jobs, the better it will be for the big corporates at the top. So they will pay us larger amounts of money in, in terms of being sustainable and therefore provide us with the wherewithal to continue our community work at a grassroots level. And so it's kind of like a, a cyclical model. Um, and obviously the moat that we're building in a long-term perspective is the um, the subscription. And, you know, if we get to, I mean, if we get to 10,000 people, which is looking very likely, then that becomes a very sustainable business for Heavy Chef. And obviously we'd like to get to 100,000 people, and then that becomes an extraordinary business, you know. So, um, and that's, you know, 100,000 people paying us a monthly amount, and you know, I think then that becomes something that we have a certain amount of influence and weight in terms of being able to provide more value to entrepreneurs in South Africa and across the continent. If you're enjoying The Lead Creative, please share this episode with your network and hit follow or subscribe. Enjoy the show. Now, Fred, um, briefly, over the years, you've, 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 collaborated with uh you've collaborated with sponsors found other brands to kind of work with you um and a lot of them have stayed with you for years right can you talk us through a little bit around how you open up some of these conversations and some of the things that go into it because once again we talk about community size as one of those things that kind of matter, the quality of your community and all of these things. In reality, what happens in those boardrooms? I, I mean, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not, I, I want to start, I mean, I can give you an answer, but, but I, I want to start by predicating my answer with the, the, um, the truth of it is that it's not a straight line. You know, it's, it's not something where I go in and I go like, hey, guys, um, it's me and it's Heavy Chef and it's awesome and you need to pay us a lot of money. I think, you know, most of the, the time those things are either serendipitous or they will be looking for a, a solution and we just happen to be in the way. You know, there, there is a lot of luck involved in these, these initial conversations. I think, so that's the, that's the kind of, I guess... The, the the real truth answer that that I, I can give you it's it's a stumbling messy you know serendipitous and and I guess fortuitous journey to being able to find those partners at the same time I do think that it is married to the fact that you need to be positioned well in order to answer their question. So when I say their question, they're asking, can this organization that has a community provide us with value? And the value needs to be aligned to what they're trying to do. So an example would be Zero, Zero Cloud Accounting, right? They're one of the most remarkable com companies in the world. I mean, I have 
bought shares in them in Australia because they're just such an incredible platform, right? Now, Xero is by far the best cloud accounting software in, in, on, you know, in the market at the moment. They're beautiful, they're user-friendly, but they're also providing incredible value to small businesses, right? And when you think about that, their target, their focus, who they serve are small businesses. So they're looking for organizations that align with their, their mission, you know, to serve small businesses. Zero wants to be the champion of small businesses in South Africa and around the world, right? So it makes sense to partner with an organization that wants to inspire and empower small businesses and entrepreneurs who run those small businesses. Right? So it's, it's a very easy conversation because we have positioned ourselves to align with what they're trying to do. And so my advice to anyone wanting to start a community of any sort is know what you stand for, know who you're talking to, and know what value you provide to those people that you serve. Because then all of a sudden it becomes a very logical and rational uh, investigation to go around looking for other organizations that serve the same audience as you in a non-competitive way in terms of their service is not the same as yours and then have a conversation. Say, look, hey, why don't we work together? I mean, we both want the same thing. We want to empower these amazing individuals and we have something that augments your offering. It makes you look good and ultimately positions you as a champion of this particular audience, this particular community. Um, and then it's a conversation around how can this be reci reciprocal? How does that that relationship look like on a month-to-month -month basis? You know, what value are we providing our, uh, our, our joint um, target audience, because we're serving the same people, as well as what value can we provide you? And ultimately, what value you as a corporate can provide our audience. And that sort of three-way conversation is very, very important in terms of the sustainability. And then just to keep communicating, continually checking in and making sure that you know that you know, there is a value exchange and that they see that value exchange. I mean, another one for us is, is um, Ex Nilo, which is a, a hosting company, you know. And they serve hundreds of thousands of small businesses around South Africa and the world. It's a very easy conversation for us because they're an extraordinary organization, the best hosting company in, in Africa and you know, maybe one of the, the best in the world. And you know, for, for us, it was like, well, how can we teach people about hosting, about website building, about you know, all the absolute essentials of being online as a small business? And then how can we position you as somebody who champions the, the small businesses that need those services? And, um, and that's been a, a really um, wonderful relationship because Exnila are so passionate about entrepreneurs and small businesses themselves. So I guess, I mean, in a nutshell, it's all about value exchange. Understand what value you have and then look for the organizations that are trying to deliver value to the same audience as you. Now, Fred, in closing, um, if you could encapsulate your journey with Heavy Chef and in the creative industry as well in a sentence or phrase, what would that phrase or sentence be? Can I say it? <laughs> no. Can I use curse words? <laughs> Listen, no. let, let me just say... You can, I, you can think about them, but no. <laughs> it's, already, it's already swelling around. 
No, let me just say that I, I love being um, in, in, enmeshed in this absolutely wonderful community. I mean, you know, as, as you know, South Africa is, is a very, very challenging environment to start and scale a business. It, you know, it, there are just challenges that we have here that are so unique and extraordinary and, you know, and that provide us with an additional, you know, 30 to 40% challenge uh, that people in, in first world countries would have to face um, or level of difficulty that people would in first world countries uh, would have to face. And so for me, in terms of a phrase that would encapsulate it, I would say I'm, I'm just grateful and, and, and in awe of the grateful for and in awe of the remarkable individuals that we serve because the people here are, are, in my view, literal superheroes, you know, way more powerful than, you know, Marvel Avengers or whatever. To be able to overcome and thrive in this, in this environment is just extraordinary. So if anyone listening to this is running a business and facing difficulties, know, first of all, that you're not alone. Um, you know, Secondly, join Heavy Chef at heavychef.com. <laughs> and thirdly, I would just say like, power to you. You know, just it, what you're doing is really hard. And it is at the same time really, really meaningful. Because what you're doing is you're washing money back into the economy. You're, you're saving us, you know. And if more and more entrepreneurs can survive and thrive, the better it is for this country as a whole. And it is a faster and better route to resolving the challenges that we face here in this country, you know, than any other route that we could possibly deploy as a, as a, as a society here. So yeah, I'm in awe and, um, and absolutely inspired by our community. No, that's, um, that's amazing, Fred. And I think, I mean, out of that, I get the sense that um, I think in terms of monetization, it's not a clear cut sort of easy route. We might think it is, but the important thing is to be well positioned to be able to answer some of the questions that come up in terms of the sponsorship conversations that you will inevitably have if you're building a community. And I think also just finding what you can monetize and monetizing that. I'd love to delve into how you actually find that because, because Heavy Chef is the one that you focused on. But I know that prior to that, uh, many of us were lining up to submit articles on IDH, which is a platform that you ran and a platform that you ran as a blog or sort of a site in the, you know, in the sort of heyday of sites that were starting out at the time funded by advertising or at least monetizing through advertising. And there wasn't any advertising on that platform particularly. So I feel like this thing of providing disproportionate value has always followed you and your work and your ethos to work. Um, so I'd love to kind of unpack that um, another time when we can. But so far, 
we, I, I got a lot out of this. And I know that many other creative people as well as brands will get a lot out of the communities that they are building as well. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome, my friend. And um, power to you as well. I mean, I know that you're an entrepreneur, you're a creative professional, you're a, a, you serve this community as well. And I, I just want to honor you for that. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Lead Creative. Did you get one insight that's worth sharing from this episode? Please share it with your network or your friends. Pop me some of your ideas and innovative finds on Twitter, on at Mongesi. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find me on mongesi.com.